to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. Sheffield is a city in South Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This podcast features conversational interviews with owners or managers of a unique selection of businesses, charities, and other enterprises in Sheffield. This podcast is brought to you by Excel City Apartments, a brand founded in Sheffield that provides business travelers and leisure visitors with fully furnished, safe, and comfortable self-catering accommodation when they're in Sheffield or visiting the nearby Peak District National Park. And now, let's meet today's guest. Hello, and welcome to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. I'm Veronica Bruins, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Hulley. Matt is the founder of Just Preserves, a business based in Sheffield, Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hi, Veronica. Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. So let's just dive into that conversation. Please do introduce yourself. Tell us exactly a little, well, not exactly, but a little more about Matt Hulley. Tell us what the business does, what made you decide to start Just Preserves as a business. Please, Matt. Okay. My name is Matt Hulley. I am 47 tomorrow. I have run a business called Just Preserves for nine years, and it's a very, very simple concept. I make jam, marmalade, and chutney in a small unit in Sheffield, and I sell jars of those products to the people of Sheffield, mainly via small retailers little delis, farm shops, and that sort of thing. Um, The business, I actually took the business over from a couple that used to run it before me. And they did it as, they were both retired police officers. And they, they decided to, I think Heather's, Keith and Heather. And Heather used to make preserves anyway. And so as they retired, they used to do this and go and do the farmer's markets. And it got a bit bigger than they expected, and they started supplying local shops and that sort of thing. Um, And then they were looking to finish up the business and sell. And our lives kind of came together because I I had a cafe before that, and I was just selling my cafe. And the nature of selling the business meant it took about a year and a half to two years to sell the cafe, so I couldn't have a specific plan of what I'd do next because I couldn't go and try and get a job because you never know the cafe might be on the market for another year. And at the same time, a friend of mine who had a cafe at the road, he used to use Heather and Keith's products and introduced me to them. And they explained they're about to, you know, give up their business. And it, it sparked my interest as something to do. Basically, I didn't know what else to do, but I, I wanted to keep my own business. I knew that I wanted to stay in the food industry and it just all worked out um that way and so yeah i've been doing it nine years it's one of those businesses where i didn't plan to have it particularly didn't really know what i'd do with it but i'm i'm very happy uh, so far interesting that bit about you being a previous or owning a cafe in a previous life as a business owner wasn't one that i think i saw well, wasn't one i'd seen in the public domain so that's an interesting insight we've learned already 
So were you able to sell the cafe before you took over the business or were you managing both businesses at one time, at the same time? No, I, I sold the cafe. So oh, that would have okay. been in, I think, the September of, I remember when you asked me about the podcast earlier, I had to look up all the dates because I forgot, but it was September 2012. And I'd had the cafe for about five or six years. Oh, that, okay. So that's going back. Mm. And I, I loved the cafe, but I... I realized, you know, you, you learn things as you do them. Um, and I, I had a very good time running the cafe, but I, I was open every day except Mondays. And I realized I wasn't very good at um, delegation and I, I had to be there all the time. And so even if I did go away for a weekend, I couldn't relax. And I realized after five or six years, I, I'd enjoyed my time. But I thought I need to do something where I, I get the occasional weekend again. Yeah, so you were you had created a job for yourself rather than run the business. Yeah, that was it. And I, I, I'm never going to be the sort of person as a business where I'm the the top of the the chain and I have a big group of people working for me. I'm too hands on. I like the whole reason for doing the cafe was I wanted simplicity. I wanted to make a product, sell the product, and get immediate feedback. Um, my previous jobs had been admin and working for really big companies. Which again, I'd enjoyed, but I, I hated the fact I never, I never saw the product. Or I, well, I did see the product, but I was this tiny little part of a, a big um, organization, and I, I got a bit bored of it. I wanted, I wanted really simple, simple business, basically, which both of the, you know, the cafe and the, the preserves offer me that. Yes, and indeed, you could see the start to the end of what you're providing. Yeah, you're part yeah. of the creation, part of the end user. You're able to receive the feedback rather than never knowing what happened after you created that bit of the jigsaw in the larger organization because yeah, no exactly. one tells you or feels they need to tell you and you're just creating the next item for the puzzle. So it's an interesting insight. Thanks very much for sharing that. So you said that you took over the name Just Preserves. Was that also what Heathers and Keith had in, the, Heather and Keith had in their enterprise? Or it's yearning. Yeah. Oh, that no, yeah, that was the name. So that was an easy thing to do. Just you know, keep because they had they had a number of customers that I still have today. That they were based in Worrell. They lived in Worrell, and I still have quite a few customers around there. Um, you know, Worrell Post Office, for example, and mm -hmm. Flask End, mm -hmm. which is a lovely cafe in Bradfield. Um, a lot of those guys were original customers of Keith and Heather's, so I managed to hold on to them, and so I I took the product and. I didn't, product-wise, I kept a lot of the recipes because the recipes were fantastic. That's really the business I took What over. you were buying, yes, okay. Yeah, but I rebranded and, um, you know, made some changes. and um, But, yeah, the, the name stuck and, you know. Um, yeah, it says what it does, just preserves. Exactly. Just yeah. preserves, nothing else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you're getting. <laughs> yep, yep. And what would you say then are your main customers or clients i know you mentioned cafes and you mentioned selling through independent shops but do you have a sense as to who are your main customers or clients and has there been any ch change or any trend in terms of what the demand what's what demand people have for particular preserves or types of projects or even products or even sizes that you offer yeah so the main customers i my list of customers is probably only about 45. It's not huge. They're all within Sheffield or very close. 
the furthest out is probably um, the wildlife park in Doncaster. There's a, a company there, the, the uh, Badger Deli there. But my main customers, I say main, they're all very valuable to me, but uh, some of the customers I can think of off the top of my head, places like Porterbrook Deli, Sharavale, uh, Werther Hall Farm, uh, Beaches of Walkley, all these sort of places that are across between a deli, a local shop. Um, I have one in uh, Carver, the spa at Carver. Um, there's, you know, there's lots of these customers and little cafes. There's a cafe called Rendezvous up in Totley. So there's a good example of, you know, you asked about the sizes. I, I've tried to streamline the business a little bit. And my, my standard retail jar is called, it's known as a 190 food jar, which means you can fit 190 mils of product. So jam and chutney, that means it's around 200 grams, a sort of standard jar. But places like Rendezvous take catering jars off me and catering tubs. So they'll use the product both on their shelves to sell as retail, but they'll also incorporate them into their menus. And Rendezvous is probably the best example of that because Jane, who runs it, I think she uses about 80% of my products in her. Mm, uh, wow, that's impressive. She, she does, yeah, mm. she, she, she does some really interesting, you know, a lot of the chutneys go into soups or in quiches and the jams go into her baking, into cakes and that sort of thing. Um, and then you asked me about um, trends in the products. I suppose the thing I noticed the most is seasonal trends. So, you, you know, the jams and marmalades sell better in the spring and summer, and the chutneys tend to sell better in the winter months, especially Christmas is my big busy time, like a lot of people. Um, and at that point, it's, it's really a lot of chutneys and some of the marmalades um, sell well at that point. That too is useful information, as it means from a farmer's perspective or a purchase perspective, you have a sense as to where your prices would be when you're buying particular raw materials for the jams and chutneys. As if you're buying in season, of course, you'll get a better price. And if that coincides or you're able to keep until the demand is high, it means you're able to manage that. Is that a fair mm. observation? Or? It, it's fair, but it's, it doesn't always work out like that, mainly because I'm such a small producer. Um, you made it sound like I'm a lot more organized than I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry, Matt, I could do no, my no, best. I like it. I love it. And um, I think I'll, I'm going to stick with your, uh, your view. No, it's, it's, it, what you said is 100% right, but because I have about 25 products, and it normally takes me two days to make a product, really, because I normally do the prep so yesterday I prepped piccalilli, so I had a lot of um, vegetables um, salting um, overnight. And then today I actually made the product. So I, the way I do my production plan, which is I'm very organized in that way. I sort of have my production plan for the next few weeks. But I'm very lucky. My stock sells quickly. So I never – the products have two to two and a half years shelf life. So I could have them on the shelves for a long time. But they tend to go out the door within a few weeks or months because I, I make – I, I make very old-fashioned way. I've just got three big pans on a big gas stove. And so I make around 150 to 200 jars per batch. And I've got about 25 products. So I'm nearly always just making some stock to get back on the shelves. It's very rare that I have so much on the shelves I don't need to make it for a while. Um, and in terms of the – you're right about the raw materials. I, I normally get the wholesale markets in Sheffield, normally on a Monday, and get the – fresh produce I need. I use some frozen produce, which helps 
get over the, the seasonal issue because obviously, especially fruit, it's you, know, you generally get it at certain times of year. So yeah, it's a combination of um, amazing organization and blind panic. <laughs> Sounds like a small business owner, an entrepreneur, <laughs> but the end is that you deliver. Now, I know I remember, or I thought I heard you saying that you do have production schedule, schedule that you're working towards. Mm. Do you have instances where some of your customers, the 45 or around 45 you mentioned, where they may be out of stock of a particular product and they come to you and say, well, can we have some more of marmalades or ginger chutney if you make that and then you say oh well this is not the week to make that so we'll have it in another two weeks how do you respond when if if you do have a situation where there's a request for a product but you don't have it in stock or it's not ready it won't be produced until after several weeks yeah i sometimes depending on who they are and what they need if it's retail stock it's not normally urgent so they might be asking for 15 types of jams, chutneys, and marmalades, and I might not have one. And normally they'll just say, that's fine, next time, or I'll make a note. Um, it's more often with the catering. So recently I had with Whirler Hall Farm, they're starting to use one of my products in the kitchen there, which they didn't use before. And the chef there asked me for some, and I didn't have it. But it just coincidentally, I was just about to go to the market, and the, the products I was going to make weren't desperately urgent so i did a quick swap round. so that, that was literally last week i made that that was a kind of good example of where i do think right i can i can make it this week instead of next i can get it into their kitchen earlier and then it's it's good for them good for me um but sometimes if i've if i'm out of quite a few products and the production's already planned and i've bought the ingredients i'll just crack on and it's it's a nice relationship all of the customers are small businesses as well and they're very understanding and they some will order very last minute but they they also understand that if it's very last minute they might be the odd product that's not in but i'll i tend to do my deliveries i try and do them uh by area so if i'm going out to for example Worrell post office i mentioned as soon as i'm going out there i'll phone the little sausage shop who are at Uterbridge. i'll give um maybe flask endercall um bradfield um, the green shop I've been to today, they're another local. So I'll, I'll phone them all and say, I'm coming out on Thursday. Do you need anything? And then if I don't have something, the next time I'm out that way, I'll pop by. I'm, I'm out there every week or two. So it it's um, it's partly organized and planned and partly just, um, you know, you keep it in your head. There's, it's, it's a small enough business that a lot of it's just in my head. <laughs> But what it highlights, though, Matt, I'd say, is that you have the flexibility. For the example you gave where someone was ordering, you could change what it is that you produce when you went shopping, rather than having to say, no, we can't do it until a certain time. So you have that flexibility, especially for the cafes, because they're using it in commercial production. So we're recording this in January sorry, in February 2022, what would you say, because you've been in business for many years now, I think eight years overall, no? Oh, sorry, just clarify how long you've been in business and what would you consider to be your greatest achievement so far? And are there any memorable moments that you'd like to share with us? I did have a think about this and 
I've been in business for nine years. Well, I, I took over the business kind of November, but I, I moved into my premises in March in 2013. So it's um, just, well, it's just coming up to nine years in March, pretty much. And yeah, the, the achievements sound a bit vague, but I think the, there were two main ones. The first was just being successful or relatively successful because I'd never made a jam or chutney in my life before this. Um, and so I thought, I mean, I had, a, I obviously, when I took over the business, I spent time with Keith and Heather for a few months and learned just by repetition, just by going with them and meeting their customers and cooking with them. So maybe six months in looking back, I thought, brilliant, I'm, this is going okay. And I was, so that's probably the main achievement, just managing to do it when you weren't sure how it would go and then specifically i I rebranded about a year and a half ago and made some quite big decisions about changing the jar size which um i was a bit worried about but it was something i needed to do and so as a as a one-off project that's probably the one i'm most proud of it's a very boring example i realize it's not very exciting um but it's you know that that was it was quite a big change the biggest change i'd made in the business and it went well um, both in terms of, for me as a business and customers, in terms of the final customer, there was good feedback, and the retailers that sell it also gave me good feedback. So, yeah. Well, that's certainly positive in terms of what you consider to be a major change in terms of the rebranding, but the responsiveness of your end user, I, I guess that is enough reason to celebrate because they could have said, well, maybe it's the same product in the bottle, but we don't like the jars. But the fact that they're okay with the jars because it's the end product that they still value, that's brilliant. So, yes, kudos to you. And and I heard you saying learning to make jams and chutneys in that, yes, some people may t- have taken over the business, but hired others to do the jams and chutneys, whereas in your case, because you want it to be hands-on, that wasn't an option. So can I just check with you, Matt, how many people are working in your production line at present? Just me. Yeah, it's all me. So that's the other... um, When I first started, I didn't know if I'd want to expand. Because when I had the cafe, I had some staff. It was a small cafe, but I, I did have staff. And I very much enjoyed having staff. There were a really lovely bunch of people but i've i like being um i like the flexibility of being just me it's it's a case of i had to make a decision is it just me and um work around that situation or um really think much bigger and i i realized quite a few years ago i'm happy just being me um so occasionally my other half eve comes in to help labeling and what have you so if she's listened to this, I need to mention her because she'll be screaming, <laughs> so saying, saying, absolutely, yeah. Saying, Hang on a minute, I'm, I help you out. You're the other half of the business and you're yeah. not being mentioned. Exactly. No, so, yeah. So thanks for correcting that. So you can actually make a, a formal mention. And yeah. I'd like to say publicly thank you for that. Can I ask you, having had the benefit of the experience of starting and growing your business in terms of some of the new cafes, for example, that you're supplying in shops. No doubt you there are many lessons learned. And so my question to you is, what would you have done differently if you were now starting out? Good question. 
probably started out or immediately changed the range to a smaller range to make it more manageable. When I first did this, I looked up, I spent a lot of time researching other jam and cheese. Even though I was taking over an established business, I wanted to look at what other people did. And one of my favorite businesses I saw out there, it wasn't a local business, even though there are many good ones. It was actually a company called Rubies in the Rubble, who are a London-based company. And they had this amazing idea where they, they would employ people that often find it harder to get jobs, people with criminal records, that sort of thing. And they were based down at one of the London markets, I think Borough. Borough Market? Yeah, The I name think so. sounds familiar, Ruby's yeah. story. Yeah. And they'd use products, uh, well, raw materials, the fruits and the veg that were probably not going to be able to be sold otherwise. And I thought it was a really good business plan. The marketing was lovely. I, I kind of nicked their idea a little bit. of the. If you see my jars, they're very colorful. Each, each jar is uh, the labels of a block color that represents the product. So the marmalades are based around the orange color. Um, apple will be green, that sort of thing. Whereas a lot of other businesses, you'll see they have the same color. Um, and obviously the name is different on the jar, but on the shelves, it doesn't always stand out. And Rubies in the Rubble did that. They they had different colors for each um, product. But sorry, I'll get to my point now. The, the, um, the thing I liked about them was they had about, when I looked into it, they only had about eight varieties. I thought that's clever <laughs> don't go crazy or so doing, super niche. Yes. yeah or even better look at someone like henderson's our, you know our local business yep. henderson's relish I, I visited them many years ago and what a company you know they make one brilliant product one, yep i mean my dream is that one of my products becomes so popular i can knock 24 of them on the head and just make the one <laughs> <laughs> it will become the henderson the equivalent of henderson's yeah, yeah. relish okay all right. Well, then you certainly have. So thanks for sharing that. You certainly have some thoughts as to what you'd have done differently. And we're recording this in February 2022, as I said earlier. And so now that you've had this experience and you have learned some lessons, what are some of the plans you have for your business over the next few months and beyond? Well, as well, there's always the ongoing uh, plan of just hopefully fulfilling orders well, keeping your customers happy, not trying not to take things for granted. You know, I know it's easy in business if, if things are going well just to think, oh, that's fine. But hopefully keep all my customers happy. Um, specifically, I've, I've not done much new product development for a few years. And so I need to get a few new products out there. So I've got a few in mind. Um, it's quite tricky sometimes when you're so busy just making your 25 products to develop a new one. You're sometimes lucky and you'll try a recipe and it's fantastic. So recently, well, the last one was probably, um, it's a brinjal pickle, which is a, a, an Indian sort of spiced aubergine. Um, and that was Eve that I mentioned earlier, her, her uncle Peter, it was his, his recipe, and it was amazing. So that was a perfect example where you can just use an established recipe that you know is really good. Um, but sometimes you try a recipe and it's not great, and it can take quite a few weeks just to get it right. So that's my main aim, to get some new products um, on the product list. And also, hopefully, I don't want to tempt fate, but a friend of mine um, called Jess has – 
written some amazing recipes using my products. Very kindly. That's incredible. Own, yeah. yeah, she just, and it's, it's so, she's done such a good job. So I need to turn that into a book. And I've been procrastinating, but by putting it out here on a public forum means I have to do it now. So <laughs> You'll be held accountable. That's the yes. other thing I need to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've met someone through one of my networking groups who helps authors to bring their book to life. So if you need any help, I'd be happy to do an introduction, yeah. That's great, may well do. So we're coming to the end of this quite interesting and surprising podcast in the sense that speaking to the owner of a food manufacturing business, small scale, that continues to work in a niche, although a wide range of products, it's been an incredible journey that you've had. And whilst you're saying that if you had to do it again, you'd have chosen a smaller range, you're still at the same time talking about new products that you're looking to develop to add to your current range of over 24 plus items. So if there are listeners to this podcast who would like to reach out to you and Dress Preserves, what would be the best way of doing that, Matt? The best way would be to look on my website, which is justpreserves.co.uk. And there is a list there of the people I stock. So you can see all the shops, mainly in Sheffield. And if there's not one near them, they can email me. I don't have a, an official online shop, but I'm more than happy to send jars out to people or drop them off if they're local. Or So the best way is to either find a shop near them from the website or there's a link to email me, contact me on there, and they can contact me directly um, or just phone me. And if they've got a jar already, my number and details are on the back of the jar, so they can always contact me that way. Well, thank you ever so much. Matt, it's been a joy listening to you and the amazing way in which you've created space for Just Preserves in the Sheffield food scene. Although you would have taken this over from a previous business order or business orders, you're able to give it your special focus and your special way of presenting Just Preserves to the public. So thank you ever so much for taking time to record this episode of the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Veronica. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Excel City Apartments, a brand founded in Sheffield that provides fully furnished self-catering accommodation for business and leisure visitors to the city and the nearby Peak District National Park. We also accommodate families relocating to Sheffield City region. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do listen to other episodes by following our podcast on this platform. Or you can find us on Twitter at ExcelPropertyP, that's the letter P. And on LinkedIn, the business page is Excel City Apartments. Until the next time, ta-ra.